0: What I would like you to do uh, is if you'd grab your Bibles and open to Isaiah 50, verse 10. I want to share a word uh, for tonight that I think is going to be life to some people. I, I have to admit to you as I move into this that, that this is a particular teaching that is a a little, bit, a little bit different because it's something I had to walk through. And it's going to be a bit of a transparent and honest teaching. But I'm sharing a message called Gone Dark. In fact, what you have to understand is I walked through something for about six weeks that I did not understand. I could not hardly handle it. Traveling the nation, getting on planes, and yet there was this thing that sat on me that was an oppression that I did not understand. I'll get into it to help you understand in a moment. But I want to talk to everybody in here that that you you can see the world going on around you. But it's as if for some crazy reason you've been put on the sidelines. Are you with me? It's almost as if you're waiting on God to use you. Now, I'm at home tonight. We, we, we're a part of this vision. We planted this vision. And, and I'm home tonight. So I can get a, probably a little more transparent with you than I can even on the road. I can tell you that a few weeks ago in San Francisco, we saw an entire church. A church that, that when I went there six years ago, they didn't like me very much. Because I'm a little bit passionate. Some things have happened in that church. And on a Sunday night, hundreds of people, I watched the entire church go slain in the spirit. How many of you still, we still believe in that? We still, I, don't we, I don't know if we do that anymore. And um, watching God do things, it's kind of mind blowing right now. I wish I could give you details about a phone call. I got woke up in the middle of the night at three in the morning. Two weeks ago, Sunday night, I'm laying in bed. I'm in uh, Arizona and my bed begins to shake. And it wasn't a demon. Get out. No, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was, it was God. And, and, uh, and the Lord, I woke up and the Lord said, tomorrow there will be an invitation. So I went on to Vegas the next day and I get to my hotel and there was an email. All I will tell you is that the, the, the sermon, God is not mad at us. Let me remember that sermon. Why is God mad at me? It's about to go global. And uh, there's some things that are going to be happening with that. And so some big stuff is happening and taking place. But but even in the midst of all that, I had just walked through something. I I have found out if the enemy can keep you bound up, if he can keep you tied up, you'll never step to the next level. You'll never experience the miracles. It's what I've always said to you. You're standing on the corner of destiny and circumstances, and your circumstances can pull and pull and pull. But you know destiny's calling you. But it, sometimes you even get to a place where you don't even want destiny anymore. I forgot how loud that air conditioner was. Does that rain? Well, that's why I forgot. Sean? God did that for, my, for the pollen thing. There we go. Look in your Bibles at Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10, one of my very favorite verses. I'll never forget one time when I was praying, I said, God, I don't feel you like I used to feel you. And he said, son, it's because I've gone. I've gone to another level and I'm waiting on you to get there. Another time I was praying and I said, Lord, I feel all alone right now. Of course, I'm surrounded by my beautiful wife, my gift from God, my family, friends. But I feel as if I'm isolated right now. And he said, son, when I do surgery, I lock the operating room door. So I'm preaching about going back dark or gone dark. Whenever you hear about an FBI or a CIA agent who's been overexposed or they've been compromised, uh, they use the term gone dark. And that's the only term I could think of. The point where you have to disappear. Isaiah 50 verse 10 says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Are you still with me? Do you realize that you have four things that nobody else has? You have a fingerprint that nobody else has. You have a tongue print nobody else has. You have an eye print that nobody else has and you have a DNA print that nobody else has. So in other words what does that mean? And a DNA is like a winding staircase. You are the only one that can touch the people you're called to touch you're the only one that can speak the words you're called to speak. You're the only one that can have the vision you're called to have and you're the only one that can climb the ladder of life that God has put in front of you If you believe that, give Him a praise offering (laughs) Have you ever gone dark? Because I have a term, an agent or a clandestine unit or someone that has to disappear. Until they're safe, they have to go dark. And, and, and let me tell you what happened to me. About eight weeks ago, I went to visit my father. Now, some of you know this, and he misses you, and he, he told me to tell you that he is ready to come back and, and speak. Uh, but Bishop, uh, over a period of time, last year he had a, a, a heart attack. We did not know it. And then he's had about five strokes, and they're the weird kind of strokes that are more where you lose conscience you uh, you lose balance and you black out it 's not the kind that affects uh, the side of the body, but at the same time it 's a pretty horrible thing it 's a thing that 's inside of a vein in his head that they can 't get to and they 've got it under control now but I went to see him and, and some of you know my story. You know that I was on a Sunday morning as pastor of the summit that my sister suddenly died and uh, and, and, and i 've I've mentioned it over uh, several times where uh, boy, it just took me a while to get over that and and uh, but it was it took me to another level with God, but at the same time, my parents have not got over it and I went to visit them one day, and they he 's basically my father 's been in bed and and i 'll tell you he 's doing fantastic now we 've been had an unbelievable time together uh the last week or so but um, and god 's doing some miracles there finally but but when I went to visit them there was kind of a death spirit on the house. Does that make sense, what I just said? Call it what you may, darkness, death. But at any rate, when I left the house, it got on me. And for six solid weeks, an oppression was on my life that I did not understand. Karen walked slowly with it, me through it. She would encourage me until two weeks ago on a, sa- a Saturday morning, I was speaking in Tampa and I called my father and I said, the only one that can break this thing that has got on me because we prayed. I kept worshiping. I kept dancing. I run for I run every morning and for an hour I worship the Lord. I cry out to God. All those things standing on stages in front of um, Hundreds and thousands and preaching God's word. And, and yet I couldn't get free of this. And I could not talk to anybody about it. Oh, we're getting a little transparent. Early. Until I called my father on that Saturday morning. And I'm driving to go to a football field, a track. By the way, I got locked in the track because they didn't know anybody was there. And I had to call the police, but it's not important. And uh, and I, I uh, it was actually the day before. That the next day I got locked in. And, uh, but I'm driving to the track and I called my father and I said, okay, look, we've got to break this thing off our family. There's been death on our family for four years. And I said, we've got to get it off. And I said, but more than that, I need you to get it off of me. And he began to prophesy and to pray in the spirit. And that thing lifted, lifted off of me. And I began to dance before the Lord, me and a turtle. There was a turtle on the football field. I don't know why I'm telling you about the turtle, but it, I kept picking it up and let it run with me. And, and it tells, tells you how fast I am. And, uh, (laughs) And I'm out there dancing before the Lord and God did something so supernatural. And that's when he birthed this word. Because I, I told Karen that later afternoon, I said, I went dark for six weeks. Can, can I preach on this tonight? This is for everybody in here that um, is ready to go to the next level. I love the quote my father said to me a couple days ago as we sat and talked and shared. And he and my brother and I, and we dreamed together. And he said, because God's healing his body. But he said, son, it feels awkward to have the heart when you can't play the part. That's what he said to me, it feels awkward to have the heart when you can't really play the part right now. Meaning he's, you know, he preaches to the world. You see, I've learned that it takes a while for your eyes to adjust to the light when it goes out or comes on. For me, it takes a little bit longer for it to adjust when it comes on. Maybe it was because the way I was raised, but let me share some things with you. Uh, we know that God is light. Look at 1 John 1 5. This, is, this, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness found in Him. Psalms 36, verse 9 says, In your light we are made whole. We can see. In your light we can see light. We know that I'm His lamp. Uh, We sang it as a kid. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm a light. When I walk into places, it ought to brighten the place up. Demons ought to have to dive out windows. Why? Because I'm a temple. I'm not a shack. I've taken down the for sale sign. But look what it says in Psalms. uh, uh, Over in, in Psalms. Chapter 18. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. We know that that we have to reflect him and we have to be free. We're supposed to walk in authority. And especially right now with some crazy things that are going on out there, some teachers that are teaching some universalistic stuff, uh, some massive things. I'm writing a paper right now called The Alarming Mr. Bell to put out because I'm getting Facebooks about this one particular book that basically says there's no heaven or hell and it's big in America right now. And and I personally am going to add another taken CD to our apologetic series because it's time to stand up and tell people, yes, God is love, but God is also judgment a false truth that's being taught by a very well-known man out there and he's a liar universalism wrapped in love is not christianity i said this on a twitter a couple days ago and and that, that any more than taking a skeleton putting a, a a tuxedo on it and taking it to the prom and expecting it to dance it doesn't dance it doesn't work We know we reflect him. We know we have to be free. And and 1 John 6 through 7, if we claim that we experience a shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim. But if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another as the sacrifice blood of Jesus, God's son, purges all of our sin. Now, here's something for for you. Maybe you don't even realize it, but God is responsible for darkness. Isaiah 45, 7, I form the light and I create darkness. I make harmonies and I create discords. I, God, do all of these things. So sometimes when you walk through things and you're binding the devil, I imagine sometimes the devil sits back and goes, you know what, seriously, I didn't do this. But I'll take credit. And God is standing over there saying, I'm doing this. Because I'm trying to take you to another level. I'm trying to pull some things out of you. I'm trying to make you so desperate for me. It's when I was praying that one day at the gym and then and, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, never desire to hear the cheer from the crowd, but the, the cry from the, from, from, the, from the cloud. Those that have gone on before us. Uh, Don, who's up there screaming, I made it. Are you with me so far? Uh, my grandmother. Who's, see, what you've got to realize is there are moments when God has to take you and put you into some things. Now, now follow me, because some darkness we create ourselves. So if you're a leader in this room and you've ever faced extreme, overwhelming emotions, and if you're here tonight, on a Wednesday night you're a leader. That's just the facts. If you've ever faced those extreme, overwhelmed emotions that, that, that can defraud you of life, defraud you of being able to even talk to your children correctly, then and, and most likely you're a great lover of people. Probably even a brilliant writer, planner, organizer, developer, whatever, visionary. I say that because you're on the devil's radar. And I have learned that if I'm not coming up against the devil, it's because I'm flowing with him. How many of you know, if you stick your head in the sand, you just give the devil a bigger target. Amen? You'll get that when you get home. You'll be like, oh, I know what he meant. Matthew 11:28 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I think of broadcasting companies. When they're off the air more than 30 days, it's called gone dark. And broadcasting companies can only go off the air for 30 days and it'd be known as gone dark due to finances or abandonment and and finding another channel or repairs or a disaster takes place. And I wonder how many people that were supposed to be great somehow along the way they went dark. Let me give you, real quickly, five five types of darkness that a leader can fall prey to. Number one, self-depreciation and despair. This is the darkness that I have to share about probably most of the time. But Psalms fourteen or one forty-two, verse three, in the Message Bible, as I sink into despair, my spirit—I feel my spirit ebbing away. You know, you know how I'm feeling. You know the danger I'm in, the traps hidden in my path, Lord. Now, number two, secret sin. You want to watch a great leader suddenly step up and not be used by God anymore. You want to watch, because I have found this out. Everybody may know your name, but God is so cool that if you play with his anointing, he'll suddenly make everyone forget your name. always amazed at how leaders you know i always say this that when you go into ministry it's because you want to be seen once you get ministry you just want to hide but when you go into ministry you just you have to have this incredible desire to to touch to change lives to to minister to people but i'm always amazed at how things will try to rise up and and steal a leader's anointing it's amazing to me it psalms psalms it, it says uh in psalm 7 verse 14 in the message bible look at that guy he had sex with sin He's pregnant with evil. Oh, look, he's having the baby. I love this. I love the message Bible. It's just the coolest. A lie baby. You got to be a redneck to even say it right there. That boy went off and had a lie baby. Love that scripture. It's my favorite at a youth camp. Yo, lie baby. Sorry. James chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. But each one is tempted when by his own desire he's dragged away and he enticed and after desire is conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death i I was sitting with uh reinhardt bunke and Reinhard bunke uh has led over about a hundred million people to the lord in the last 10 years and powerful men of god and we're sitting together one day and he's pouring into me for about three or four hours and it was a life-changing experience and 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 all of a sudden uh, he knows people i know and we we know each other and I've got fellow friends in ministry that aren't in ministry anymore. And and I mentioned a name of someone that had fallen away from the call of God. And, and and Reinhardt looked at me and he said, Why don't we be like Paul in this situation? He said, What is that? Because he he had actually asked me about this guy. And he said, Why don't we just choose not to even speak about them? I said, I agree with you. But things that can make you go dark, self-depreciation and and despair it's amazing how how many great leaders it said that 80 percent of great leaders suffer great hurts isn't that crazy i think of a katherine coleman who could glide across the stage and thousands would be healed anyone in the airport concourse as she would walk through would be healed in their body what an anointing and a very peculiar person and and but at the same time she would sit all day in a Box that they built for her, a, a little tiny room next to the stage, and she was such in such pain, debilitating pain, that she would scream all day from the pain, and then she would walk on stage and preach. Isn't it amazing? The ones that you use the greatest are usually under the biggest attack. Are you with me? It's people that walk up to me and they go, "Pat, I want to do what you do. I want to, I want to do those conferences." And I go, "Really?" So can I assign my demons to you? Because you don't really want to fight what I have to fight. I don't want to fight what Sean has to fight. Then number three, the thing that can cause a leader to go dark is wrong motivations think of paul who disappeared for three years he gets saved gets radically saved god changes his name from saul which means well known to paul which means of little no stature and he tries to go out and preach and finally the, the 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 apostles come running to him and they said look look here's the deal you you can't you you're we're scared of you you were just killing us last week disappear and he had to disappear Improper ambitions. I have learned that God does not bless ambition. He blesses vision ambition is man birth vision is god breathe ambition is something that you take on because you're trying to climb the corporate ladder uh, of ministry or whatever you're working in, and it will just come back to bite you if it's ambition that drives you because somebody along the way is going to come behind you that's got a little bit more ambition and they're going to knock your legs all out as you climb that ladder and so if you're walking according to ambition you're setting yourself up for failure you're setting yourself up for you're going to live your life guarded you're going to live your life with a knife in one hand and the bible in the other you're You're going to live your life worrying about who could possibly take your portion when god says every place i set my feet it takes back the land god says i've given you an inheritance son it's vision he said just glance declare it let it be yours speak that thing but when you're driven by ambition you're too busy to you can't look at god because you're always looking out of the corner of your eye to see who's coming to take what you think you built It's Matthew 7, 16, who who preachers are in the main thing, not what they they say. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotion or your pocketbook. This disease, trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. That's what God says about wrong motivations. Number four. Now, this is a big one. This is a big one because uh, anytime you put yourself on public display or anytime you step up the lead, you're setting yourself up. I actually prayed for our president today. And, uh, you know, I pray for him a lot, but... Because I can't imagine, even when he thinks he's doing what is right or wrong or whatever, uh, I, I can't imagine what it's like for everybody to question everything you do. Whether I agree with him or not. That's why these men, when they go into an office of presidency, they look young, but after four years, they're wrinkled and they're gray and and because of the the constant attack and, and so offenses. Proverbs 18, 19, we all know this scripture. It, it, it's an offended brother is harder and more unyielding than a fortified city. And here's the big one, number five. And I am seeing this right now. It is a resurgent of it in the body of Christ because I see great leaders out there. This is a big one right now and it's called pride. It is massive in our nation right now. I'm seeing it. bragging about the numbers, marking their territory. Who do I know who does this? It's that place that you begin to believe your own press. This has happened to so many great leaders. It's, it, 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 it brings darkness into your life. and pr- Pride. It, Proverbs 16, 18. First pride, then the crash. That's what it says. I love that in the Message Bible. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Are you with me? And here's what I've learned about leaders. Write this down, number two. Most leaders... You can't just get over the darkness. You can't just go, well, all right, I'm going to worship my way through this thing. Something supernatural has to happen when this thing invades you. Now, now, now ugh, listen to me, because for years I have preached against depression. I've said, you just got to shake it off. You just got to get up and say, no, not in my house. Uh-uh, we ain't going to let that in. I've said that for years. But when this thing hit my life, and it wasn't because I wasn't fulfilled. It wasn't because I didn't have an incredible marriage. Isn't because I, I, I don't have awesome kids. It, it, it's not because Karen and I aren't doing ministry together and we're best friends and she's shaking and changing lives out there. And it, it isn't because I, I can't at any moment call Sean my dearest friend and say Hey, pray. We, we fight for each other. We we go to war for each other. It, it's not any of that stuff. It's not an abandonment type of thing. It's an oppression that can come over you like a cloud, and you're like Why is this here? And I had never truly dealt with this until I spent that day at my parents' house. And maybe it was death. Maybe I—I I, I was looking in a rear-view mirror at where our family had been. And I'm real. I knew God, you're not done with them. But the signs were very bad at that point. It, they're not going to make it. And 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 that thing came on me. And you can't just get over it. Uh, can I just go ahead and tell you? You can't get over it like that. Well, but Pat, worship, sing a song, dance, and quote the scripture. I can do that better than anybody in this room. But there comes a moment where there has to be a divine intervention. A moment where the hand of God has to reach in and push back everything and grab you and pull you out of that thing. If you believe it, give him a praise offering tonight. Can't just get over it. How, what do you mean? If you get overexposed. Always amazed at how we place ourselves in front of people. When we over... Elijah uh, just called down fire, and Jezebel wanted to kill him, and and and, the, and 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 so finally he just God has to go hide him by a brook because he wants to die. When you get overexposed, when you get overwhelmed, Romans eight twenty six. When when we don't know what to, when when we don't know what or how to pray, the Spirit makes intercession. The Bible says. Have you ever had those moments where you don't really have words? You just he says it makes he makes prayers out of our groanings, our sighs, our weeping. Literally, there's times when you're sitting in your and are like, oh, that's a prayer. You don't even realize it. That's the language of heaven. You are actually praying something. It's a, it's a gift of the spirit. You are praying in tongues without praying in tongues at that moment when it says your spirit cries out. And and by, the Bible says in Romans that my life is God's prayer. It's that place where God takes you. When you get, here's the, here's a big one that causes the dark place. When you get overthrown. Here's your pink slip. I know you've been with us 22 years, and three more years you'd have had 25 in, but sorry. Here's your small severance package. You've got to go when you've been overthrown, when you get defrauded, the enemy takes from you. It's what David must have felt like as his boy, his son, his precious uh, curly-haired son, Absalom, took the nation from his dad Even though he had written, I've never seen my righteous forsaken or my seed begging for bread. He, He understood that something had gone wrong here that he invited into the house. When you get overthrown, when you get, oh, here's a big one. When you get overcome, when that tsunami, that Japanese tsunami comes in on you. And you can run as far as you can. You can run, but it's going to drag you out. But Romans, or excuse me, Revelation twelve, eleven, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Here's a big one in the over category. When you get passed over When you feel you've been passed over, defrauded, remember God has the power to promote, He exalts the humble. But when you feel like is any am I talking to anybody tonight? Am I talking to anybody that doesn't understand why suddenly everything has gotten dark in front of you? And wait a minute, you were down here, you were being used. Wait a minute, I was ready, I've I've walked through some things, but, but now you're like, cannot see past your circumstances tonight in just a moment we're about to pull some people out of this thing I'm talking to people in here that God has been waiting to use but for some reason there's been this wall there's been these cataracts on your eyes there's been this darkness has overwhelmed you and God told told me he said I let you walk through this thing because I said God what did I do to walk through this he said I let you walk through this because you needed a tenderness in your heart for people that are walking through things that's what he said to me I'm like, well, you could have done it for six days and not six weeks. We talk like that. Let me give you seven, quickly, precepts for the dark times. I'm talking to the ones when the batteries in the flashlight don't work. It's the dark place that I believe you. I honestly believe this. I I think I'm closer to God in the dark place than I am in the light. Because I'm reaching out. Where, Where are you at? Oh, pull me through, God. It's the place where you begin to rely on Him. The place where you begin to change. And who needs the light when you're in a bright place? I mean, oh, okay, God, I love you. Thank you. Yeah, things are cool. Merry Christmas, Jesus. You're a good Santa Claus. But when you walk through the dark place, when you go through the place that Pastor Sean did today, when an ambulance had to come to his house, that place where you're going, okay, God, okay, seriously, I didn't. This wasn't in my day planner. John 11, verse 9 says, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of the daylight? A man who walks by the day will not stumble, for he sees by the his wor- this world's light. It is when we, he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Look at Isaiah 42, 16. I don't, it says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These, these are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Give God a praise for that. That's a great scripture. But seven precepts for the dark times. Let me give you seven things that you have to know in case maybe you've never walked through it. Maybe I just needed to share this publicly for the first time and bring it out and and so that I could give praise to God because that's how he works all things to the good. You walk through it and you turn it around and you punch the devil in the eye with it and say, you thought you'd kill me here, but instead I will walk somebody else out of this thing. That's what you do. You you can't minister to it till you've been through it. Don't tell me that you understand what death is about until you've walked through a death. Don't tell me what you do. You understand what poverty is about until you've walked through a little poverty. Don't tell me that you understand what it means to have your heart broken until you've actually had your heart broken. How will you ever understand resurrection until you've been dead and brought back out of this thing? Somebody praise Him. Leader, you will face dark times. Write that down. Psalms 107, 14, he brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. God's word is all about leaders that struggled, uh, that walked through things. Moses, Elijah, Elisha, David, Jonah, Simon, Peter, Paul. uh, Most of all, Jesus faced the dark times. Why did the devil have to tell Jesus to jump when he was in the wilderness when Jesus faced three temptations which represents every sin you could ever walk through? Why in the world did he have to tell Jesus to jump because the devil had no authority to push him? So he can tell you to jump, but he can't push you. Saul battled depression. We understand that. He's the king of Israel. It led to his demise. He never got free. Maybe you never understood the scripture that David would have to come play the harp. But look what it says in the message Bible in 1 Samuel 16, 23. After that, whenever the bad depression. uh Uh-oh. NIV says evil spirit. Whenever the bad depression from God tormented Saul. David got his harp and would play and would calm Saul down. And he would feel better as the moodiness lifted Paul, the spirit of life, 2 Corinthians 1.8 psalmist who used to lead worship psalms 42 verse 3 it says my tears have been my food day and night oh men say to me all day long where's your god these things i remember how, how i used to pour out my soul how i used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of god and with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throngs but now this is a guy saying but i'm not in ministry anymore i'm not being used by god anymore why am i so downcast why am i so disturbed oh, oh so why so disturbed within me put your hope in god for i will yet praise him my savior and my god what, what are you talking about pat there are tens of thousands of leaders who live their lives remembering what it used to be like. I never want to be a leader that lives my life remembering how God used to use me. But I want to walk through whatever comes my direction. I'm going to stomp through it. I'm going to trudge through it. I'm going to run through it. I'm going to jump over it. Whatever He needs me to do to get me to the next level, I will face that thing head on and say why. Because He has anointed me. He has chosen me. Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name by the way. It's Jesus the anointed one. Jesus, the amazing one. Jesus, the powerful one. Jesus, the all-sufficient one. Jesus, the anointed. Job 10, verse 20. Now, you know I love to read Job because I read it as if Eeyore is reading it from Pooh. Well, Pooh, I lost my tail watch here here's Job. this is way job must have talked are not my are not my no are my are not my my few days almost over turn away from me so i can have a moment's joy before i go to the place of no return to the land of gloom and deep shadow to the land of deepest night of deep shadow and disorder where even light is like darkness that's intense look at solomon you know solomon wisest man that ever lived god said ask me for anything i want wisdom Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 11.8. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all, but let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. He said, you need to understand what you've been through. You have to get a healthy understanding. Number two, seven precepts of darkness. Realize darkness is the enemy's way of keeping you at bay. If you live in darkness, everybody's against you, Right? you live in darkness surely god's not going to do a miracle for you surely he's not going to open a door he's not going to bless you it's galatians 5 7 you are running a good race who cut in on you that kind of spirit does not come from god and the moment you give into the spirit of darkness you're effectively moved from battles that lead to victories You have shut the door of opportunity. You have to rise up and declare freedom until it lifts. If you're battling that spirit, you are a threat because you're dangerous to the enemy. If you are under an oppression right now, it means the devil does not want you to see past the cloud because just on the other side of the cloud is your miracle, is your open door, is your favor, is the things God. The enemy knows that if he can keep you in the dark, you have removed yourself from being effective. Number three, precepts, leaders must be careful not to allow the plight of man or vision to consume them. What does that mean? You're not effective if you don't have a burden. Okay, if it's just a job, Sean, you and I have talked about it. We could do it. We could probably, yeah, have a little more fun. But the other side of that is when you get so consumed with these people around you. That their hurts that they tell you at the front door, at the back door, at the office or on the phone goes home with you. And then your kids never see you. They only see the people in your church. And I know a lot of leaders that get so consumed with the hurt of others but they don't enjoy life. Look what Ezra Ezra. Ezra had a burden for Israel. Look what he says right here in the Amplified. At the evening sacrifices, I arose from my depression, having rent my gar- undergarments and my mantle. I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord, my, my God, saying, O oh God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift my face to you, my, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt is mounted to the heavens. Now, he was a prophet of the nation, and Ezra was experiencing God's displeasure with the nation of Israel. But understand what I'm talking about. What, what do you mean? God gives you the vision and the burden to do something about it. It, but it's not supposed to kill you just because you hurt for others you can't let that thing kill you the moment you take the burden on as yours the, you're the only one that can fix it you've destined yourself for failure can i say something to you sean you're dying won't change anybody A leader has to know when to shut off the valve of ministry. Winning others to heaven will not be nearly as sweet if you're lost in the wind. Winning everybody to heaven won't be nearly as fun if you're lost in the process. Your building a great vision will not be remembered as a victory if you die in the process. So number four, precepts of darkness. Going dark forces others to live through your night season. If you are in a darkness right now and you're walking through this, so is your family. No, 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 no. I've been good. I'm able to hide this. Are you serious? Because your loss of self will uh, will force others who love you to debate their own purpose. Say it again. Your loss of self will force others who love you to even debate their own purpose. They'll feel like they can't help you. Why am I even here? Proverbs 14.30 A sound mind makes for a robust body. But runaway emotions corrode the bones. Isn't that a great scripture? Your family will begin to long for better days in a short life. Your family will begin to take... Your spouse will live their lives tiptoeing around the house of darkness. Helen Keller said, said it best. Uh, walking with a friend in the dark is better than walking alone in the light. Number five, precepts of darkness. Your destiny is sitting in the balance as you swim in the darkness. Don't allow yourself to become a statistic. The sooner you get free, the quicker you understand your destiny. Oh, I'm almost done right here. It's Isaiah 60, verse 1. I read it to you a little while ago. but Or I haven't read it to you, actually. It says, Arise. And depression and prostration, in which circumstances have kept you, rise to a new life, shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now you need to take that scripture and understand his glory it 's the sun coming up in the morning when God gets up in the morning, he rises up over you, he says, "Here you are, and it 's like you 're down there because he he, he, he he dances over you at night and he sings over you and and, and he walks with you through the day, but he says right there that, that "For your light has come, and God has risen upon you." That means when I get up, He comes up over me. He is my shadow. He is my covering. So maybe the darkness you're experiencing is really just His shadow. Now number six, realize in the darkness, God can speak. Job 12:22, he reveals the deep things of darkness and brings deep shadows into the light. Job 29, 2 through 3, how I long for the months gone by for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head by his light, I walked through the darkness. The first thing God did in all humanity was he spoke to the darkness. Genesis 1, 3, God spoke light and light appeared. Now, God's done some pretty amazing miracles, and I mean, there's been, he's done a lot, Okay. But if there's one thing about doing a miracle, it's the, it, you always remember your first one. What's the first thing that happened to you, God? Well, <laughs> light. Like. Yeah, it just happened. It's just like. Like I can't handle darkness. Job 12:22 reveals the deep things of darkness and brings shadows into the light. That is the scripture. God says I reveal things to you in the darkness. Isaiah 3 I will give you the treasures of darkness, which is stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. I will give you the treasures of darkness. There's treasures in darkness. Listen to that, Ephesians 5.13, but everything exposed by light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Number seven, I said it was seven precepts. Num- number seven, in the dark, your motives are exposed. We're going to find out who you really are when you can't worship, when you can't lift your hands, when you can't smile, when you put on a face and the face doesn't work anymore because you happen to forget it one Sunday morning, we're going to find out who, you, what your motives really are in your life when you walk through this because we'll find out are you really called to you this thinking about it? Are you really in love with your family or are you just like them as your tokens? Are you really trusting God with your finances because in this place is the place where you sit on your checkbook and you don't pay your tithe anymore. It's that place we're going to find out what's really going on inside of you it's that place even the first pastor of the of the church who was the first pastor anybody know simon peter the ultimate failure i love simon peter because while he was a great man you have to remember simon peter was just a man he's the disciple that grew in the night every time something happened to peter it happened at night (laughs) i imagine sometimes you got up and said look seriously can i deny him in the morning not tonight because if Peter messed up, it was always at night. It was the night that it was at night that Jesus walked on the water, and it's when you've lost all sight that you reach in the darkness and you feel for His hand. Look what it says in Matthew fourteen twenty five. It's the it's the scripture. It says during the fourth watch of the night, 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 night. Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw Him, they were terrified. It's a ghost. They said and cried in fear. But Jesus immediately said, don't be afraid. Take courage. Don't be afraid. And, and then we, we know what happens then. We know Peter goes to step out and walk onto the water. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. That's what he said. Next verse. Peter jumps out of the boat. What does he do? He's like, dude, this is awesome. I am like, I am surfing. I am doing this. Holy cow. Look at those waves. everything went dark and then all of a sudden he feels something grab his hand come on now he was the disciple that grew in what about luke 22 remember what it says in verse 31 through 34 jesus tries to warn simon simon called him by his first name which means broken reed would name later change his name to rock but hey hey broken reed hey, messed up reed uh, Simon, Simon, Satan wants to sift you. He wants to twist at you. He wants to mess with you. He wants to stir you up. This was his Job moment. If he would just read Job. Because it's exactly what Job had done or had done to him when devil walks up into God's throne room in the middle of a staff meeting and says, is there anybody that can handle my attack? And God said, have you thought about Job? There's none like him. He is upright in all of his ways. Go get him. Can you see if Job would have been like in the in the, in the the middle of that staff meeting going, you going to let him do it. So the same thing happens to Simon Peter, and he failed. Because in verse 31, he said, no way, God, there's no way I will betray you. I will go. He says, before the rooster crows three times, you'll betray me. Before the rooster crows, you'll betray me three times. And, and no way, I'll go to prison for you. I'll be the first one. I'll be the first one, God. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm on your team, God. And then by verse 54, we know what happens. We know when they finally got to the garden, John 18, Simon Peter, who was already having a bad night, it was in the garden that he chopped the ear off of a servant by the name of Malchus, who was a servant to the high priest. And by the way, it was Malchus's servant who, around the fire, looked at Simon Peter and said, Do you know this man? And, he, and Peter second time he denied, he denied it to Malchus's servant. I think the servant was trying to get him in trouble because her boss's ear got cut off that night. Jesus had to say, put your sword away. Luke twenty-two sixty, uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 60 through 62. Remember what happens right there? Man, I, I don't know what you're talking about. was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked straight at him. And then Peter remembered the word. The Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crowed, so that you will disowned me three times and he went outside and wept bitterly. He went into the night. He ran into the night he betrayed his best friend he became the ultimate failure he cursed the king he at what one time wanted to make king he had cursed his best friend and and this happened so simon peter would become a great pastor he would understand grace and love and mercy because he himself had no right to stand in front of anybody but god would use him on the day of pentecost look, look what it, look what it says that uh, on his redemption moment in john chapter 21 uh, afterward jesus appeared again to his disciples now if you study luke chapter 5 when simon peter was called into the ministry and jesus said cast your now. And they cast the nets and they brought in the big load. Now, watch, because in Luke 21, Peter had said, I go fishing. I'm going back to what is comfortable. He goes and gets on the boat and he starts to go fishing, and they haven't caught anything all night long. They're so tired and so weird, they don't, he do not even have any clothes on. The Bible says he's basically down to his drawers and all of a sudden Jesus is standing on the banks of the of the river. Peter's already denied. He's already become the ultimate failure. He's already run into the night as an ultimate failure, a loser. The rooster has crowed. He betrayed Jesus. He denied him. And Jesus turned and looked at him while sitting around the fire. He denied him. John, his friend who was on the inside of Peter, would have taken just a few just a few steps in and, and stood with John. They could not have crucified Jesus because it took two voices, two testimonies according to Levitical law to stop the crucifixion. But Peter refused to go in the house even though he was invited into the house by John. He stood outside warming himself, denying God. And all of a sudden, he's the ultimate failure. He's been fishing all night. He know, he's the only one that really knows how to fish of the group that's out there. And all of a sudden, they haven't caught anything. And Jesus said, hey, cast your net to the other side. And when they did... And I love the next part because this time the nets didn't tear. (laughs) It's really cool. I'm not going to preach on that, but it's really cool. But what did Peter do? He stands up and he dives into the water. He says, y'all go ahead and catch that fish. I don't care about that. I'm going to catch the fisher of men. And he swam all the way to the bank and went running up on the bank. And he sits down and Jesus is already cooking breakfast for him. Jesus already said, hey, fish, come on over here. Into the pan. I'm going to rent that in heaven. And he said, Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, you love me, then feed my lambs. Feed the babies first. Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep, Peter. Peter, do you love me more than these? Lord, why do you keep saying this to me? You know I love you. Because he was trying to get Peter to focus not on the ministry, not the spirit of revolution, not all the miracles, but on him focus on him it's that place where god begins to transition you and change you what are you talking about it's that place where god begins to to make you great jump jump down in the powerpoint for me to psalms 30 verse 5 for his anger lasts only a moment but his favor lasts a lifetime weeping may remain for a night but rejoicing comes in the morning i'm done forgive me if i've gone long i've never shared this I just went over it with our team, but I've never shared this publicly. I had to wait. I couldn't do it anywhere else. I had to do it in the place that, that God allowed us to be a part of. But, but write this down. Jesus understood going dark. He disappeared between the age of 12 and 30. He would disappear from his disciples and they couldn't find him. He went dark in the wilderness for 40 days. We know about the Garden of Gethsemane, the nighttime. Luke 22:51. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, "Am I leading a rebellion?" And it goes on to say in verse 53, "Every day I was with the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns." Jesus said, "The moment that he got taken, the moment that he got shoved, the moment he got pulled into death was the night, the moment when darkness reigns." Does God trust you with the cup? Does he trust you to drink the death? Does he trust you to carry a burden? The word burden is fortion, faults of the conscience which oppress the soul. Fortion in the Greek. Does he trust you to carry things that nobody else will carry? Does he let you hear the screams of a generation at night? Does he trust you to love him more than the populace and the plundits? What about Jesus? He goes to the cross. Well, he's already experienced his dark season. Really? Are you serious? Because look at Matthew twenty-seven forty-five. It says, "From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land." There was three hours on the cross, one Friday afternoon, from noon to three o'clock, that it was completely dark. And I believe that is the moment that God the Father pulled His chair up beside His Son and just said, "Hold on, boy." Hold on. But look what it goes on to say. But about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I believe that it was at the ninth hour moment, in the middle of the darkness, God looked up at him and said, "I have got to go. You've got to do this on your own, son. And it was in the dark that God the Father sat close. But when His Father slipped away, Dad, where are you going? Dad. Then Jesus gave up. So it reminds me of late one night. I was sound asleep at three in the morning, all of a sudden I heard, Daddy, Daddy. I went running into Nate's room and I said, What's up? You okay, what's wrong? What's wrong? He goes, I just I just needed to know you were at home. He's a little boy. I got in bed with him and I sang to him. We fell asleep. I woke up sore because he kicks in his sleep. That's what Karen, what Abby told Karen, said, mommy, when I was in the orphanage, it was just a, an infant. She was there till she was eight months old. And Jesus used to come and tell me to hold on in the darkness. She has eye problems because of the darkness of the orphanage. One eye did all the work. And... um But she said, Mommy, Jesus came and told me when I was in the crib with the other babies that you were coming to get me. Can I tell you this? Write this down. This is it. Let the Father tell you who you are. The phone call that day, it was so powerful. I had asked Karen to pray over me. Nate had prayed over me. I called my dad and I said. The only one that can break this off me is you. And I said, I hope you're cognizant and can understand what I'm saying. He said, oh, son. Remember what the Bible says? Jesus had done no miracles, but. Then all of a sudden, he goes walking up to the Jordan River for his thirtieth birthday coronation because he had to be coronated as a priest at thirty years old. And he goes down into the water. He acts out death, burial into the water, and then resurrection. He acted out his life in front of everybody. He did it. He did, it. He did the first human video right there. And God said, "That's my son." I believe it was. Was it Jacob? It had a son. Did the lady try to name him something? And he said, no, no, no. And he changed his name to blessing. See, a father is the only one that can, de- can declare your victory. Now the problem is in a generation in the inner city where it's seventy two percent without a dad, in a regular generation it's thirty four percent absent a biological dad. The problem with this generation is we never break anything off of them because they never heard a dad say You me all right. That day driving in the car, the only thing that broke it, it broke it after six weeks. I called Karen and I said, I'm free. It was my dad getting on the phone and he began to pray in the spirit over me. And do you know what happened? Starting that day, he started getting better and better and better and better. Because I said to him, I'm crying on the phone. I felt, I felt like a little kid. I had to get back to the camp to preach for the hundreds. I said, you don't understand, Dad. I'm 41. I need you to tell me. I'm okay. And he said, oh, son. And he began to prophesy over me. But until you have the father. Declare who you are. It doesn't matter what the program says. It doesn't matter what the coach says. Doesn't matter what the TV says. It doesn't matter what the friends say. But when the father says. Hey, that's my boy. In whom I'm well pleased. Leaders. God the Father is screaming from heaven tonight. I hear him. Tell them I'm proud of him. And if you'll hear his voice. You're about to bust out of this thing. Just watch this of great leaders that have gone dark and, and we'll do an altar time. we last point is come on worship sometimes God has to hide you go a different direction Joseph Paul I need to go hide you for about three years Joseph welcome to a pit Esther go away for a year you're going to prepare yourself to save your people Because for God can use anybody that's hidden behind the wall. For any leader that goes dark, they got to be willing to drink the cup. You tired of being dark? Lift your hands. Commission you back to ministry tonight after six months of death. <laughs> you don't know his story, but he's been dark for about six months. I drank your cup while others were sleeping, while the disciples were sleeping. I drank your cup. I'll stay awake through the watches of the night, the Bible says. Anybody ever gone dark, raise your hand. Anybody been waiting on God to use them? Waiting for out of the darkness, the hand comes and pulls you this direction. It just begins to pull you out. He says, I'm not done with you. Just stand with me. If you need to go, I understand. But I wish that you would have a little, a little rain of time in the altar with me. The day that my father spoke to me, it broke all that off of me. I went back to my room. I called Karen and I said, I'm free. I'm finally free. Because I come home sometimes from worship and I think it left. I'd say it left. I'm okay. But all it did was, Saul, it just appeased it. Then it'd come right back, wouldn't it? We missed you guys so bad. We. I didn't realize how much I was in love with this house. I'm like, Lord, why'd you make me do that? He said, because I need Sean to go to his destiny and I need you to go to your destiny, man. You and Karen. I understand that a little bit when I got the email from Strang. But it was dark. It was quiet. You know things can get loudly quiet. You know what I'm talking about? It can be, quietness can be loud. <laughs> Deafening. Deafening. I've learned that you can be laying hands on hundreds, and God do crazy stuff, and you're like what about me. It, almost, it makes you almost want to go, "I anoint me." <laughs> I right, pull me out." <laughs> but there's a moment where you'll feel him reach is my son Jesus went to the dark he went into the water he couldn't see anything but when he came out the spirit of God was on him led by the spirit full of the spirit led into the wilderness and came out even fuller and his ministry spread Jesus' anointing did not start until he came out of the wilderness what the Bible says it says and his ministry spread don't ask God to use you you won't get behind those boxes Cause that's my. Fa- I can't believe it, it we're singing that song. It, do, do you know what? It'll be worth it, Ethan. I'm so proud of you. Ethan's about to go away to. Am I right? To a school of music, a Juilliard type school. Cause it'll be worth yeah. it, Lord. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it all. Come on, lift your hands. Oh, I say, yeah. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it all. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. How I say to you, Lord, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be. It's going to be worth it all. I just want to praise you, Lord. Oh. Desperately seeking Granted In the sight of of your face face. Come on It's all that I need It's gonna gonna be worth it Come on, lift those hands and tell me. It's gonna be worth it It's gonna be worth be worth worth it all It's gonna, gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it all. Do this right across the room. Put your hands over your eyes. The hands over your eyes. You got just your right hand over that. Shut your eyes, but also put your hand over it. You probably can still see silhouettes of the last thing you looked at. I had times in my life where all I could see was silhouettes of the last thing I looked at. But if you've battled with a dark place, if you've gone dark, raise your left hand now. Come on, be honest. Put your hand down. Leave your right hand over your eyes. I want it to stay dark for a minute. Because out of this room tonight will rise leaders that the enemy thought he had beat. People that we've just watched sit on the sidelines for so long and God says, I need you back. I was with you in the darkness. Treasures. But if you say, "Pastor, Pastor Pat, I am... In dark places right now. Raise your left hand. If you walk through what I've walked through. Yeah. 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 And with your hands over your eyes. Say Jesus. I need you to tell me you're proud of me. I need you to tell me that I'm your child. Because when I lift my hand and I come up out of this death, I need you to hear, I need to hear you say, That's my child. Tonight, what I've been through, I will use for your glory. Tonight, what I've walked through, I'm not condemned again. Father, if I've done anything to create the darkness in my life, I'm so sorry. But I will drink your cup. Jesus, Father, help. Daddy, I just need to know you're home. You're ready because you're going to begin to remove your hand when I tell you to. And the Holy Spirit's going to hit you. And you're going to hear Him say, you are my child. And that thing's going to be broken off of you. You're going to feel Him. Are you ready? Remove your hand now and put your hands in the air. Holy Spirit, speak. You're my child. This is my daughter. This is my son. This is my